Okay, guys, so we're going to look at Zephaniah 1 to 3 today. So this is the uh, first of the last four prophets. So Zephaniah, the next week it'll be Haggai. And then after that, it'll be Zechariah. And then the final prophet we're going to look at is Malachi. And then we'll finish up with the minor prophets. So today we're going to look at judgment and restoration. So remember what we said about Zephaniah. He probably is from Jerusalem. He's living during the time of King Josiah, who had a pretty long reign, but he had a pretty pretty good reign. He instituted some reforms. This was probably written right before the reforms, where he reformed the nation trying to draw them back to the Lord. But when Josiah dies, it quickly digresses to the point they go through a series of kings and uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes and destroys the place and takes them away into exile. So judgment is just a few decades away here when this is being written, maybe not even a few. And um, so this is pretty important what he's going to talk about and we're going to learn that. Now, again, we want to reiterate when we look at a prophet, we're wanting to know what is his message to the people at that time? And then the proper way of, trans of bringing it to where we are is to look at what the principles are that he's communicating to the people and bring them forward to our time. Now, bringing them forward to our time is not you trying to impose what the prophet is saying on our nation. That's not proper. It's bringing it forward and seeing what it says for God's people. And God's people are who, folks? The church, yes, believers, okay? And uh, just so you are aware of that. So let's talk about, first of all, in Zephaniah 1 to 18, uh, we're going to see the worldwide judgment. So it begins, first of all, with just a typical introduction. I won't read this to you. You can read it. The writer introduces the prophecy as the word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah. Okay, so it's the word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah. The writer lists Zephaniah as the descendant of Hezekiah. So this is a great, great grandson, third, fourth generation after Hezekiah. Okay, and so he's of royalty, but probably not a, well, what, what do they say today in our time? A working royal, okay? Isn't that what the British say, a working royal? Okay, so, but in his case, he's a descendant of the king of David, okay? The son of David. So he is from there. He's, he probably knows very much about the inner workings of royalty and so forth. The writer also states that the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, king of Judah. So we already mentioned that. So here we go. Let's start with, first of all, verses 2 to 6. We're going to see a worldwide judgment. Here's what he said. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea and the rubble of the wicked, I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the names of idolatrous priests along with the priests. 
those who bow down on roofs to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Malcolm, Milcom, those who have turned back from following the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. So he's going to make a pronouncement of judgment on the whole world. He's going to start off with everybody. So here's what we're going to see. He proclaims that he will utterly sweep away all things from the earth. Okay? Now, when you read this, you should remember another time when he talked about wiping away everything. Anybody know when that was? Something, an event that happened in the past. The flood, yes. Remember he said he would kill all, everything living, okay? Everything. And this is, almost sounds exactly the same way. It's some sort of cataclysmic event where everything is wiped out, okay? So he's going to sweep away all things. So this judgment includes man, animals, birds, and fish. That's pretty radical, isn't it? Okay? So that's, so I mean, it's basically everything is going to be swept away. Swept away here is kind of like the judgment. Okay? That's the kind of the inference there. So he proclaims that he will also bring judgment on Judah. So just to make sure that they don't think that they are exempt, he's going to bring judgment on Judah. All right? He's going to bring judgment on Judah. Why? Because he will cut off those who worship false idols while worshiping the Lord. Because here's the thing. Judah was tolerating a dual system. So on one hand, they would go to the temple and make their sacrifices. They would go and worship the Lord and do things in the name of Yahweh on one hand. But on the other hand, they were also worshiping who? Baal, Asheroth, Milcom is mentioned here, Moloch, you know what I'm saying? The abomination that it was, they would do child sacrifice. They would bake cakes to the host of heaven. Now, what are the host of heaven? You know them today as the horoscope. Are you an Aquarius or a Sagittarius? You know what I'm saying? Or Orion the hunter? Do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, they would do all of these things. So on one hand, they would say they were good Jews in that they were worshiping the Lord. But they were also sacrificing on every hillside, burning incense to all these different gods. And so he's going to judge them. He's going to judge those who worship the false idols. And notice he says, it, sounds, it makes sense when he says, I will judge these priests of Baal with the priests. What priests is he talking about? The high priests, the, the priests of the temple. Judgment's going to fall on all of them because they haven't been, their heart hasn't been solely focused on who? They're playing a game. They're sitting on a fence. They're trying to do, have both ways. God doesn't tolerate that. It's either, either if you're his per, if you belong to him, totally focus your attention on him and don't play the game with everyone else. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so, um, okay, we talked about the horoscope. I'll give you, that's a good example. I hope you don't look at the horoscope. It, first of all, it's ridiculous. Okay. Very general, generic. Could apply to anybody and his dog. Okay. But that 
if you're looking at the horoscope, that's like saying you don't need the Lord alone. You need something else to guide you through the day, right? This is the kind of behavior that I'm talking about that we see here that he's judging. Your focus needs to be the Lord. So he's going to cut off those who worship false idols while worshiping the Lord. Because ultimately, here's what happens. They turn their back from following the Lord, and they do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. You see what happens? When you're doing both, eventually you're just going to do one, right? And the one you do isn't following the Lord or inquiring of him. So that brings us then to he's going to give a quick judgment on Jewish society. Here's what's happening in, 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 in the, the whole issue of what's going on here. So verse 7, which we told you is a theme verse. Be silent before the Lord God. The day of the Lord is near. So again, the day of the Lord refers to judgment, okay? The day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice... I will punish the officials and the king's sons who, and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, I, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, all inhabitants of the mortar. All the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. And at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Basically they're saying God won't do anything. Their goods shall be plundered, their houses laid to waste, and though, though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them, inhabit them. And though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. Wow, pretty brutal here. You know, you're probably wondering, what in the world is he talking about the fish gate? Well, if you go to Jerusalem, they have different gates of the city, of the old city, and that was the name of one of the gates. Okay, so he's pointing out this is going to happen to Jerusalem. Okay, they're going to be judged. What exactly is going to happen here? The writer calls his readers to be silent before the Lord because judgment is coming. You're about to see God do something. Be quiet. Be quiet. All right, here it is. On that day of judgment, the Lord will judge every level of Jewish society. Everybody from the king on down is going to be judged. And it's not going to be good. And houses, houses will be destroyed. You built a house, you'll not inhabit it. You planted a vineyard, you'll never taste the grapes from it. Judgment. Yep, judgment. So then, look, look with me, the nature of the judgment. We see this in verses 14 through 18. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. The day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blasts and battle cry against fortified cities, against the lofty, lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind. 
so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end, he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Okay, so when we look at these verses now, verses 14 through 18, who's he talking about now? Is he talking about Judah and Jerusalem? Who's he talking about? Everybody. So what event do you think he's talking about here? Because this event hasn't happened yet, right? Anybody got a clue? Well, it's not the end of the millennium. Would be We would say the beginning of the millennium. But what happens at the beginning of the millennium? Who comes back? Jesus, and what does he do? Brings God's judgment. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and notice something. When you read this passage... Those who are doing leading a duplistic life, they're in trouble, aren't they? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So, so what I want you to see here is the nature of the judgment. The great day of the Lord is drawing near as it fast approaches. So it's coming. Yes, yes, Danny. Yeah, I hate to say that, yeah. What's left here, yeah. yes. Well, the, the saints, those who were here who were saints when he comes, the believers, yes. And during the millennium, there's a whole new generation that is born. Uh, no, here, here's what I'm saying. When Jesus comes back, okay, so when he comes back in the second coming, there are going to be people alive here who got saved during the... Uh, during the tribulation, they will be saved. Everybody else is going to die if they weren't killed by all of the judgments of the revelation. Because, I mean, when you read Revelation, you're talking about thirds of populations being destroyed. Yeah, it, yeah, there's going to, yeah, when you talk about, when you go through God's wrath being poured out, Revelation gives us a more expansive view of what that wrath is poured out. Jesus comes back, it'll be a perfect world. Okay, so I think he, he's the one who heals the nations during that time. He restores the world. It'll be a, a, yes, the millennium will be a time of perfect whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying? So everything's going to be okay. And there will be people who are born. In fact, so many people who are born, the final battle is, is that when Satan is released, he deceives again, because not everybody, even though Jesus is here, believes, they'll rebel against Jesus, and that's Gog and Magog, and fire will come down from heaven and consume them in an instance, and then we enter into eternity. So even with Jesus, King Jesus here, people won't believe. Did you understand? So that's why sometimes I tell people it's not about... Having enough facts. Well, those who yeah who who came back with them, of course, they're never going to disbelieve. They're his. But those who were here, who are faithful, yeah, they're. It's those who were born from that generation. Those generations, because it's a thousand years. 
So you try to think of how many people could be born in a thousand years. Lots, right? We have right now in our generation, seven billion, eight, I think it's up to eight billion people living in this world right now. Yeah, yeah, but my point is, is with King Jesus here, this is what I'm trying to get you to understand. Even if people see Jesus, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to believe him. Do you understand? It's a heart issue, okay? And so what we see here with this passage is, is that he's describing an event, the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back and the world will cry. So he starts out with saying that the mighty man weeps, I don't care how battle-hardened you are. When you see Christ coming with his army, you're going to weep. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, this is a terrible thing that's coming on the world in judgment. God's going to pour out his wrath. And why the passage tells you why he's doing it. Because they sinned against who? Lord, the Lord, yeah. Do, do you understand? It's because of their sin, okay? Their sin. So, the day of the Lord is marked as a day of darkness, distress, and anguish for the world. It's a day of darkness, distress, and anguish. See, here's the thing. I, I, really, I really believe that when he finally shows up and Satan quits deceiving the world, I think people are going to be like, click. It, the light's going to come on. You ever had that happen where like, oh, that's what's going on here. They're going to realize who he is. And when they stand before the great king in, ju in the final judgment, there isn't going to be this, oh, well, you know, it just could, this happened. Be no, there isn't going to be, they, they will know why they're there and what they've done and, and so forth. There, there is no excuse making in front of him because everything is laid bare. Do you understand? Everything is laid bare. So it's a day marked as a day of darkness, distress, and anguish. Mankind will walk as the blind because they sin against the Lord. That's what he's saying here. They're going to walk like they're blind because they sin against the Lord. And is that not true today? Is it not true when you look at unbelievers today, they don't see what you believe? Does anybody, am I the only one who sees that? I mean, it's like they can't comprehend what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Professing to be wise, they became complete fools. Yes, yes. That's exactly right, Bruce. So the nature of judgment is here. So, so Zephaniah is not just talking to, tell, warning them about the impending judgment because the Babylonians are coming. He's also giving us a few, this prophecy isn't just for them at that time. It's for you and I to help us to recognize, folks, there is a judgment coming. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just being honest with you. There is a judgment coming. And, 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 and we need to recognize that. So then he's going to call them to repentance. Look with me at chapter 2, verse 1. Gather together, O shameless nation. So he's talking to, talking to Judah here, but he refers to them as a shameless nation. Before the decrees take effect, before the days passes like the chaff, before it comes upon you, the burning anger of the Lord, before it comes upon you, the day of the anger of the Lord, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, 
who do his commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden in the day of the anger of the Lord. Gaza shall be deserted. Ashkelon shall become a desolation. Ashdod's people shall be driven out at noon. And Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to you, inhabitants of the seacoast, a nation of Cherothites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, O land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you until no inhabitant is left. And you, O seacoast, shall be pastures with meadows for shepherds and the folds of the flock. The seacoast shall become a possession of the remnant of the house of Judah, on which they shall graze in the houses of Ashkelon. And they shall lie down at evening, for the Lord their God will be mindful of them and restore their fortunes. I have heard the taunts of Moab, the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom, and the Ammonites shall become like Gomorrah a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and waste forever. A remnant of my people shall plunder them, and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. And they shall be their lot in return for their pride. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, because they have taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will be awesome against them, and he will famish all the gods of the earth to him shall, and to him shall bow down each in its place, all the nations of the land. Okay, so let me just stop there. All right, let's take a look here. First of all, the call. The Lord calls the sinful nation to gather and hear before the judgment takes place. So it's kind of like in the beginning verses, like, okay, you shameless nation, before the decree begins, pay attention. Now, that has a relevance to us. Before the decree, what's he decreeing? He's decreeing the end of the world, right? He's saying to the people of God, pay attention. Get serious. Okay? Get serious about your walk. Get serious about your life. Before it happens, and, and here's what he calls them to. Those who are humble and obedient should seek the Lord. So basically, seek the Lord. While before it happens, focus your energy and your attention on being the child of God you should be. Being obedient to him, being humble. Don't be prideful, be humble. And as they do this, perhaps they will be hidden from the coming judgment. Now, we know that they'll be hidden from the coming judgment. How, how do we know that? What takes place, first of all, Yes, the rapture of the church before the tribulation starts, those are hidden. And then we also know that he seals those who are his during the tribulation, who are saved during the tribulation, and, and they will be taken care of during that time of tribulation. Now, there are martyrs then, but they will be taken care of so that they don't face the wrath of God. Do you understand? Now, what does that mean? How does that appear? How does that look? I don't know. But the point is, is they will be hidden from the judgment that comes, Okay. And the point is, live your life right. Live like you should. Live following the Lord. Okay? This is the point he's making here. So, the Lord proclaims his judgment upon Moab, 
Ammon and Philistia. Now, what is he, what is he upset with them about? When I read that passage, what is it that Moab and, and the Ammonites and the Philistines, what are they doing that he's irritated with? They're all enemies, and, and what else are they doing? Who are they mocking? Yeah, they're mocking the people of God and God. When you mock the people of God, you're mocking who? God. So it's like he's going to hold them in judgment for mocking the people of God. No, 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 Danny, this has nothing to do with world religions. Whether they're Muslims or not, they are worshiping something other than God. The point is, is that they are not acknowledging and honoring God's people. They are mocking them, ridiculing them. That doesn't happen today, does it? Do you know what I'm saying? That doesn't happen today. But, I mean, it does, right? So the Lord, he, he's saying, you know what, you guys wonder, how long is this going to take place when people mock what I believe? Up to a certain point. Then the mocking ends because the one who is ultimately being mocked comes and says, I'm done. Okay? So the Lord also proclaims judgment on all the gods of the earth. So at that time, he's talking about these graving images, but on all the gods of the earth. There are many gods today in our world. There are secular gods. There are gods that are worshipped by all the other religions of the world. Hindus, by, for instance, have thousands of gods. But his whole point is that those gods are going to bow down to the only God, the true God, and he's going to judge them. He's going to proclaim the judgment upon the gods of the earth. What else is happening here? So, we, we stopped at verse 15. Well, we stopped at verse uh, 12. But 12 through 15, are, he talks about two nations, Cush and uh, Egypt. And so what he's doing here is the Lord proclaims his judgment upon the powerful nations of the world. So when he's writing this, there are... They're basically Assyria, Assyria and Cushites. Who are Cushites? Well, that would be what we call today Sudan and Ethiopia. At that time, they were world powers. So he's proclaiming judgment upon these world powers. Okay? So even the world powers that exist today, they're going to be nothing compared to the Lord. Do you know what I'm saying? Nothing. No army will be able to stand against them. So the Lord proclaims his judgment upon the powerful nations. All right, so now let's go to, again, he gets to the issue of Judah. Look with me at verses 1 to 8. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. Now, he's describing Jerusalem here. This is the city of David. This is the, the city where the temple is. This, is. this is the city that is important to the people, the Jewish people. He's describing them as an oppressing nation. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord 
within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. But the unjust know no shame. I will cut off nations, their battlements, in ruins. I will lay waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have become, have been made desolate, without man, without inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling will not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you, but all the more they are eager to make all their deeds corrupt. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day when I rise up to seize the prey, for my decision is to gather the nations, to assemble the kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation. For the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. Okay, again, what's he talking about? Gathering all the nations to pour out the fire of his judgment. What's he... What? He's not just talking about judgment on Judah here. Again, he's referring to something. Has it happened yet? No. But where do all the nations gather in the end? Anybody know? In the Valley of Megiddo. We know it as in the battle of what? Armageddon. All the nations of the world will be gathered against Jerusalem, the Lord will gather them there, and he will pour out his what? Wrath on them. Okay? So Zephaniah is looking forward to something that even now is not yet happened. Okay? So let's notice what he's saying here about the judgment of Judah. So the Lord pronounces woe on Jerusalem, who listens to no one and does not trust God. Jerusalem doesn't listen to anyone. They've had many of prophets come and tell them how they should change, but they don't, do they? They don't listen to God. They're not trusting in God. They're not seeking after God. The rulers who are like lions and wolves will be judged. What do you mean like lions and wolves? Well, the, the rulers are devouring the people. What does that mean? They're devouring them in the sense that the people only serve to make sure that their lives are better. And so they'll, they'll do whatever they have to to get more out of the people. They're oppressive. The prophets, as well as the priests, are treacherous and profane men. So here, here's the servants of the Lord, the prophets who are raised up to bring the word of the Lord and the priests who lead them in the worship of God at the temple. They're profane men. They're, they're, they're just doing it for themselves. They're treacherous. He describes the priests here as violent men. Violent men. The Lord who has destroyed nations calls his people to heed him, but they did not listen. They didn't listen. And trust me, they had the history. They knew the history. They repeated the history to themselves. How God did this. How God brought them out. How God destroyed this. And he, they know that the God they were serving can do these things, but when he says to them, return to me, return to me, did they listen? No, no, not at all. The nations will be gathered in the future, and he will pour out his wrath on them. He'll pour out his wrath on them. So 
let's now, we're going to look at verses 9 through 20. And we're going to see, let's focus on verses 9 and 10. Verse 20 is, uh, well, well, we'll look here. Verse 9, he says this. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve them with one accord. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. I will leave you in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord, and those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Now, when you look at verses 14 on, it's basically a praise that is being uttered here, the joy, Israel's joy and restoration. But look with me at verse 19. Behold, at that time I will deal with all of your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame to praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in. At that time I will gather you all together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes says the Lord. Okay, so here's how he's going to end it up, all right? So here's what happens. The Lord will purify the nations and then call forth his remnant from them. So right now, do we all speak the same language? No. Even in the U.S., we don't speak the same language, okay? So I, I just recently had this happen. I, I, I had my, one of my dad's older brothers was uh, not well, and so I had to, after church, last Sunday, I drove to Greenville, North Carolina to visit my dad's family. And I hadn't been there in 30-some years. And uh, so I had to go pay homage to, my, to, to various matriarchs and patriarchs and everything. And, and, uh, well, but when I was on the phone at home, my family is laughing at me because something changed just by a conversation on the phone. Anybody got a clue what changed? My language and even how I phrased things and how I said things. My daughter was like, Dad, is that you? They were just laughing at me. You know what I'm saying? Because it all came back. Even though I've been up here now 30 years married to Laura, Laura you can't, I guess you can't remove it from you. And all you have to do is go back and breathe through the air and, uh, and you talk like that. Well, even here we have different languages, right? We call it dialects or slang or whatever. Right, where did that all start? Anybody remember where in the Bible that all started? Tower of Babel. Before the Tower of Babel, they had what? One language. He's saying, in the end, he's going to purify, there will be one language. And from out of that, 
He's going to call forth his remnant, meaning his the Jews who are dispersed around the world, they're going to be called forth to come to what? To Jerusalem, to the Holy One, to Jesus. They will bring an offering to the Lord. All right? They're going to come and worship the Lord. The remnant will no longer be put to shame by their sins. Now, is that not an awesome thing? Tell me, don't you carry guilt, regret, shame from the decisions you've made or actions you've done in the past? You wish you could go back and check. Don't we do that? I mean, if you're alive and feeling, that should be real, right? Here, the prophet is telling you that in the future, when the remnant, and we're going to be a part of that remnant, do you understand? We're a part of that remnant as his people. We're going to be a part of that. We'll no longer be put to shame by our what? Sins. Is that not awesome? That is, that is awesome. Here we go. The Lord will remove their pride and they will now be humbled. Our prideful arrogance will disappear. We'll become a humble people who are reliant upon him. They will seek refuge in the Lord and sin no more. Is that not awesome? Okay, that's what he's telling them. Israel will be overjoyed as the king, the Messiah, will be in their midst. That passage I didn't read to you talks about the king, the Messiah, being in their midst. Now, who is that, folks? Jesus is the Messiah, right? And they'll be overjoyed that their Messiah will be in their midst. That's awesome, isn't it? That's awesome. So Israel will be exalted and honored. Okay? Exalted and honored. All right, anybody had a question? That's a pretty pretty interesting prophecy, right? It's not just for Judah. He's got some things to say to Judah, but he's also kind of giving us a big world view, right, about what's coming along. And so there is some messages there for us, okay? Next week, we're going to look start looking at Haggai, okay, which is the second shortest book in the Old Testament. Why is it the second shortage? Well, remember, Obadiah, I think, was one chapter. Haggai is two chapters, okay? So we're going to look at that. We're going to do some introductory material, and we're going to hopefully get through both chapters next week.